your favorite toy truck nerds are back. Welcome to That Scale RC Show. everybody we are back for episode 66 with sean rusin our guest how's it going everyone hello hello how's it going travis is not feeling so hot so he's probably not going to be saying a whole lot tonight he's just gonna be i don't know moderating and tech support so that'll be good good Sorry, thing for him well. to do yeah it's a bummer hope you get better Thank you. He he's signing. Thanks. Yeah, signing. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a while since I've talked to you guys. How's things been? Good. Really good. We're we're still here, which is surprising. I know. Yeah, it's let's think it was uh, over a year ago. I was looking at it the last episode when I was on, and it's it's been it was 2019. So yeah. God, that's yeah. crazy. Wow. Yeah, you guys have been doing it for quite some time. It's awesome. I just figured it would get at some point where we just kind of like run out of stuff to talk about or it sort of loses steam. But I mean, I guess as long as there's like new products coming out and, you know, that gives us stuff to talk about. I know we, it'd be nice eventually when things go back to normal, you know, like to cover some events and stuff and have people post up, you know, when they're going to have something going on and kind of let the rest of the community know about it. But you know that that's in the future. Right now, with the way things have been this year, I think we're lucky just to have what we do. So that's kind of nice. Yes, that's one of the topics I have for hanging on by the thread, is what I call it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not going to deny it. We've had a couple slow episodes where we're kind of like, yeah, what do we talk about now? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it definitely is a challenge, but you know, we try to make it work. Yeah. yeah. Make the best of what we got, man. Keep on pushing. Well, what do we want to do? Do we want to jump into questions and then talk about stuff? Is that is that probably a good way to go? Do we have a lot of questions? I can't scroll down, so I can't really see. Um, yeah, we can start with questions. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. All right. Okay, so Travis has it back up at the top. Okay, Scooter Scott, how long before the intern... Does a SOR or that scale RC show logo uh, 3D printed skid plate for the Element IFS? Um, hmm. Wouldn't that be a question for the intern? Intern. Um, I don't know. He'll probably be listening to this, so I would say give it some time. I'm sure he'll come up with something. He's, uh, I, I will interject, though, and say that the SOR would probably be easier to do than that scale RC show. Yeah, that one's pretty... You know, we almost need, like, another type of sticker that's just not so much there, you know, like another logo that doesn't have so much going on because that thing's pretty detailed. Yeah. Maybe just something with the initials or something like that would be yeah, easier we, to do. Yeah, we need something simple. Yeah. Okay, so Ziggy 
Is that Bordenini? It's a play on words. Oh, okay. Well, um, clearly I can't read it. So, um, I got one for you. As a somewhat noob for the hobby, what's a good go-to brand for lipos for trailing, crawling, trailing and crawling purposes? Not looking for the super dirt cheap crappies, but I don't want to take a loan out for a couple uh, 2S to 3S batteries. <laughs> Currently, I'm running a couple Power Hobby 2S 5000 milliamp and a Hexfly 2S that came with a Red Cat blackout. Any input is always, any input as always, will be greatly appreciated. Thanks for putting out a killer pod. It helps bring. Oh, it helps boring last day that works. Sorry, I'm trying to read it through. Our uh, modified screen here. Ah. Um. Well, I know I know what Sean's gonna say. Um. I don't know. I've always had good luck with um Venom. I think it is a Ven- Yeah, it's Venom. Mm-hmm. Um. And they're pretty. They're like I would say they're middle of the road batteries. They're not horrible. They're mm-hmm. not super cheap. Um. But the cool thing about the Venom is they have like that universal plug, so you can. Like if you're somebody who runs Deans, you just put the Deans adapter on it. If you're someone that runs the what is it the X, what is it? What's the yellow one? I always forget. XT, what it is. XT nine sixties. Uh, yeah, the sixties. You can always swap it over to that. I think they also have that standard, the blue one that comes with all the like dynamite stuff mm-hmm. and the and all that. So I mean, it comes with everything. So like if you're one of those people that are like, oh, this battery doesn't have my plug and I don't feel like soldering a different end on it. It's super simple. You just plug it on there, and it works. So I've always had good luck with that. Um, so that would be my recommendation. One of these days, though, I need to just dive in and get myself some uh, max amps, but might need to take a loan out for those. <laughs> I'm agree with you on that. Venom's a good pack. Uh, I've always, before I was with Venom or with Max Amps, I've I've ran Venom, and I've always had really good luck with them. I've had a Venom pack last over a year. Um, not any problems with them, you know. Um, another good brand that before I got with the brand I'm with now that I use is uh, Z-Pack, which I got through SMC. They lasted, uh, you know, it got well over a year on that pack before any puffing or any, like, high IR started to happen. So that was a good pack. I have not had good experience with Gen's Ace, but when they work, they're a good pack, and they're affordable. So... But to say that you're going to get two years out of that pack, I, I never did. And I'm not saying that you can't. You, those are just, uh, I just never did, you know. Um, I've been through a lot of brands before I went with Max Amps. Uh, I'm not going to say go get Max Amps because they're super expensive, but they're worth the money. They're hand-assembled in the United States. So, uh, And they are quality A-grade lithium batteries so when you're getting all this lithium imported in it's technically coming from a lot of the same sources the bags are broken down into quality a b c and d um and that's where you're getting your c ratings from is you know your high c rating packs are a quality an a quality pack is not going to be cheap you know uh these cheaper packs are your, you know, lower grade packs, and that's where they're coming from. And you're gonna notice swelling. You're gonna notice high IRs. Uh, you know, the whole LIHV pack. That is just a regular old lithium pack with a lot more wrapping in it, so you can overcharge it, and it kind of holds the swelling down. So that's the whole chemistry behind all that. 
there's a lot to it. We've gone through a lot of different batteries. Um, so for crawling, I use the EcoPower batteries from A Main. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I use their three cells. Um, I just had gotten a shorty pack for Trav and for myself that because EcoPower has a whole trail series and their um, forty two hundred milliamp is forty nine ninety nine. So that's that's pretty good for a three cell shorty soft pack. I've got a stick pack of theirs that God, I got that thing in 2017 and it's still alive and kicking. So I've had really good luck with those for crawling and stuff. And then for um, any kind of racing like drag racing and everything else, I just use the ProTech LIHVs for those. But Mm -hmm. uh, we've had Gen's Ace, like when Travis and I first started racing and stuff and got into RC, we had bought some Gen's Ace batteries and Man, I had some of those still perfectly balanced like four years later. Like it, it was absolutely crazy. So we've had, honestly, we've had really good luck with batteries. The only ones that I didn't have good luck with, which funny enough because you both um, had good experiences, was um, the, uh, gosh, Venom. That's what it was. Mm. The Venom ones, I started using those when we were racing four-wheel short course. And, man, I could not make them work. Those ESCs were drawing so much amperage, it was melting the the bullet plug connectors in the case of the battery. They were coming unsoldered and melting the outside. So we ended up having to go with um, some different batteries for that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I've never had an issue. I do got to say my Venom batteries are probably the oldest batteries I have, and all of them are poofy, but... Being a crawler, I don't really worry, I guess. I just run it so I mean, I say that saying, run it till it blows, but I've never had one, you know, have any issues. Um, there was a short period where I was getting those, what I call the no-name, like the, the all-blacked-out one that you get at your local hobby shop. I know CKRC used to, um, they used to carry like a generic, you know, all-black battery, and I got a couple of those. Um, don't really run them that often anymore, but, uh, the only thing I got to add to the Gen's Ace thing is I remember last winter, I guess Elio went up to the snow and he did a battery swap. Being an old senile man, he left the battery sitting where he did the battery swap, drives all the way home and goes, oh, I forgot my battery. We went up like a week later to go you know, run the cars in the snow. We went back to the same area, and the battery was still there, and it was still fine. Wow. God, that's funny. <laughs> nice. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. I said, man, I'm surprised that thing still works. Wow. That's crazy. And I'm sure the Venom ones are fine. It's just in the early days of short course – before you had, you know, like 7,000 milliamp batteries you could use. I think about five was the biggest that we had at the time available to us. And we were just barely getting an entire main out of them. So a lot of people would just turn their lipo cutoff off, you know. And it was it was very, very hard on batteries. It wasn't until much later, you know, a couple of years later that we actually, like, weren't having battery issues anymore and they were building batteries that could handle how gnarly those little trucks were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, depending on how much amps you're pulling on that battery too, that that's where I start to pay attention to what C rating, you know, for crawling it's not, I mean, you know. I don't, yeah, nobody, I don't think matter. anyone pays attention to that. Yeah, none of that matters, but 
you know, when you start, we start talking about you four and like, you know, the unlimited cars and things like that, like you want, you know, we're running big power. It's a, tr it's a truggy. So you need big power. It's, it's that 2000 KV or 2250, you know, at full punch is sucking some power. <laughs> so what are you guys running in? Like your, your DB eight or whatever the, my the... DB 48. Yeah, what are you guys running two cells or three cells in those? I run four? four cell. Really? Wow. Yeah. So a lot of the when we first started Unlimited, yeah, I ran two cell with like a forty six hundred, and it would just get smoking hot. And then uh, Rich Morgan, his build was more of like a three thousand or thirty five hundred kV on three S, and it did a little better. You know, that definitely that, that combo will push some weight. I mean, it's a, it's a combination that I've used in my PRT. Um, I've used I, a 3,500 on 3S works very well for rock racing period. You know, that's plenty of power. Um, but I still noticed heat, especially during the summertime when it's like over 100 degrees out, you know. Ugh. So that's when I was like, well, it's a truggy. You know, I get it. It's got short course axles on it, but it's really a truggy. So I, that's when I started investigating with, with Holmes Hobbies in the beginning with like 2000 kV uh, monster truck motors or like a truggy motor, you know, so it's got a little more torque. The, the rotors cut a little differently than like a buggy rotor. Right. Um, and so I noticed my temps drop. I noticed that my battery packs weren't coming off the line, uh, off the racetrack after eight minutes in the hot summer sun you know, wanting to puff, uh, you know, temperatures on the ESCs were lower. It just, everything just ran more efficiently. Now with all that torque, you know, when you get a heavy finger, it does, your axles suffer if you're running a short course setup like I am. Right. A lot of the guys now really it's, there's only me and my cousin really run short course axles on the db 48s really every unlimited car out there right now is is full eight scale truggy and buggy mix so it's all 17 oh wow um, the motor the motor that like uh anthony vasquez he runs a an ae car he runs a 2000 kv uh tekin i run a 2000 kv tekin um that's been the better way to go. I did run a 2250 there for a while and a 2100 and it just was a little bit too much. I ran a 1900 and it wasn't quite enough. And yeah, I was so, going to say we run 19s in our e-buggies and truggies that we used to have. Yeah. Well, that's what I run in my techno truggy is a 1900 and you know, same thing, buggy motor in the truggy and even out at Thunder Alley it's perfect cuz I can go full pin and it's comfortable. It's not it's not like I'm driving eggshells. I don't feel yeah. like it's too much. I, I have gone out to Thunder Alley with a 2250, and ooh, she was hot. But <laughs> it, it's not necessary. It's not necessary. You end up overdriving the car when you get a little overly nervous, and your hands start to shake and things like that, and things start to get a little out of control. Yeah, yeah we so, started with a Tekken 2050. I think that was, like, all mm -hmm. we had available at the time, and, like, even that was just way too much. Yeah, yeah. So I run, uh, I don't run a big brick 4S. I run a 4,000 milliamp, 150 C pack. So it's the size of a three cell. Um, oh, wow. Before I was running max amps, another pack, I was running those Protex LIHV four cells, uh, 4,100s, and they're the size of a two cell. Um, wow. And they work perfect. 
For an eight-minute race, you're coming off the track right at storage mode, right at 3.8 per cell. God, which, that's great. Which is perfect. And that's yeah. what I'm doing right now with my max amps. After a, I can even go almost 13 minutes on a four, on a on a 4,000 milliamp. Um, am I going full pin? No, that's not how I drive. I drive extremely right. efficiently. Um, I'm not a full pin driver. I don't drive turn marshal to turn marshal. <laughs> I've never heard that term before. I like that a lot. <laughs> oh, I have. There's a couple of them out there. <laughs> turn, turn marshal to turn marshal. That's great. <laughs> What's our next one? Is that the Chris Trudeau one that we've got here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's buying the Red Cat Lowrider? Ooh. That thing is very, very cool. Um, it is cool. I honestly, I was looking at it too. The only thing that scares me is the price, but I got to break down what it comes with and what like the what justifies that price. I don't know. Maybe I'm a weirdo, but I like to see. Okay, what are you getting for that price point? Because I think it comes in right around six hundred bucks. Uh huh. Yep. Wow. So, so yeah, well, it's a lot. It's, but you got to you got to remember, it's got some sort of whether it's servo, hydraulic, some sort of actuator. Oh, yeah, it's all servo action. It's all servo driven. I, I've seen lots of. Lo- it's funny. I saw a post a while back ago. Someone was like talking about how, uh, oh, they must have copied something you did, and blah blah blah. And I'm like, man, you know, the lowrider thing has been around for over a decade. Like, yeah. I don't think I don't think many people really. Well, us real hardcore guys have been doing it for shoot many decades. We know, but like, I mean, I've seen lowriders built out of monster trucks. Or, or uh, not lowriders, the whole hydraulic thing, or not even hydraulic, the whole bouncy, bouncy with the front end and the rear end, and you're going to go three-wheel motion and all that. That's all been done over 10 years ago with, with the Revo. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but what it is is it's because of that aircraft radio. That radio is probably six or seven channel, I would think. And then, yeah, it's probably got a lot of servos in it, you know. Are they good? I don't know. But, uh Boy, that's sure it would be a good MKS sale right there because I'm sure there's a lot of them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I bet you could get kind of crazy with having, like, super, super fast servos and something like that. Oh, yeah, make that thing launch off the ground. <laughs> I'm trying to find it on A-Main because I wanted to kind of uh-uh, – It's not there. Yeah, just, it's not. It's not there yet. Um, I better I know check that, I know that site. CEN Dually is. I, I, I saw that was on pre-order there. Yeah, that thing is way cool. Yeah, that is cool. No, I think the lowrider's pretty badass. I think it's a really good idea. Um, it looks super, super detailed. I mean, looking at the body, looking at the wheels, it's got, like, real knockoffs and stuff. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it looks killer. I, I'm thinking it'll probably be, you know, pretty close to worth what they're asking and plus you got to consider too i mean it's the only one out there unless you want to try and figure something like this out from scratch so well, that's going to cost you a lot more than 600 bucks yeah i would think i mean just the servos alone are going to be expensive for a build like that that's kind of wild yeah well well and those yeah. radios that those radio and i mean yes can you get a cheap aircraft radio sure but you know, you're still gonna. It's still gonna be a couple hundred bucks. Oh, I didn't even think about the fact that you'd need a stick radio for these. Yeah, you're not gonna get a stick radio like that with more than four channels for under a hundred dollars. I mean, wow. that's ridiculous to even think that. Yeah. You know? I mean, a good stick radio. I have a few of them. They're five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars. You know, for a good aircraft radio. You know, you don't want to crash that thing, right? 
Yeah, no, <laughs> good point. So I'm looking you know? at this thing. So really, it it's got a lot of molded chrome plastic details. It's got bumpers, uh, chrome mirrors. It's got plastic antennas, windshield wipers. The thing has an interior, which is super sick, with a steering wheel that's molded plastic instead of just molded out of Lexan. A lot um, of detail. Yeah, a lot. A full a lot light, of detail. Full lighting kit. Uh, has white wall tires that come with it, like I said, with, you know, um, mock, you know, wire wheels. Um, looking at it, it has similar to a C-channel chassis, but I'm assuming it's molded plastic, but it's kind of really close to the same shape, and then the front is almost like it has sort of somewhat touring car technology grafted onto it with, you know, the way that they've got the double A arms and stuff like this. This is really wild. It's got exhaust. I think, I think as long as it's a decently solid car that it's not real super flimsy, I think it's worth the money. Because Dude, when you, the chassis when you, looks good. If you break all that down and then you include the, the time that it takes to install, just the lights. We'll just go over lights, right? I mean, you got a whole lighting system and it's all installed in the car. That's not $100, but it's close. Yeah. That's, that's just the lights. You just went over a whole bunch of stuff, you know? Um, yeah, this is something me and Tyler are really interested in. And because one thing that I, I got a buddy who's not even into RC, but he's always in my ear about stuff. He loves this dunk racing or whatever it's called. And he's like, why don't you make low riders into drag cars? And I was just like, I don't know, man. <laughs> but then when I saw that, I was like, you know, would I, would it be competitive? No, but it would be fun and kind of a crack up. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Looks like the box turns into, like, kind of a little, like, display shelf thing for it with some graffiti in the background and stuff. It's all photorealistic, so that's really cool. I don't know. 600 bucks. I don't have a problem with that. I I, I mean, I, I wouldn't buy one because I wouldn't get enough use out of it. But if I had 600 bucks and it just, you know, didn't have to go to other things, I would buy this thing just because of the cool factor. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's. I looked at it. Sorry, Sean. I'll let you go. No. In a, no. Okay. Um, I was gonna say the first person. Well, I guess you could say the first person I saw. Um, because clearly, and I'll lead into this in a second. There's another guy who's been doing this for a while. Um, but Paul Valdez. Um, was out at Axial Fest. I want to mm. say. Twenty seventeen. Oh, there you go. Yep. And he built one, and his biggest like problem was he said there was too much. Um, I guess with the servos, he need, he was like maybe I need to find a faster servo or something because everything was super slow. He could never get it to do that hop like this one actually uh -huh. does. Uh -huh. So I remember seeing that, and we we're like, man, that'd be pretty cool to do. But after we talked to him about it, it was pretty labor intensive to even get that far. Right. Yeah. So I mean, and then when if you actually go on Red Cats. Uh, like Instagram, um, I guess they teamed up with this guy by the name of Jeffries. I guess that's how you say yes. it. Yes, yes, yes. I know exactly who you're talking about. This guy builds a lot of uh, uh, lowrider stuff, small stuff, even smaller than um, like, RC. Like, like 164th. Yes, so yes. He, so he's based out of the Netherlands, um, and – I'm looking at some of this stuff like I don't know if this is true, but like I mean, if you guys want to, maybe we'll throw you know a link or something, or so you guys can check it out. But I mean, there's a picture of this one, and he's saying working on the first cylinder 
for the Z rack of the 164th HW hard uh, hard body mini truck. He's got cylinders to do what he wants the truck to do. Ooh. Like, wow. Like, that's gnarly. Ooh. <laughs> see, I want one just to be able to rip it apart and see how they make it work. <laughs> it looks really cool. Like, they've got – it looks like a cantilever type setup for the front suspension on this thing, which is really, really cool. I don't know. I have no issue with the price. After looking at this thing and the amount of detail that it has and the fact that it's a licensed body and you've got exhaust and everything else, it's it's absolutely worth that. I I, I don't even think that's an argument when you start breaking it all down. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I know. I just wanted to see because, like you said, I'm probably not going to get a ton of use out of it. It's a totally cool car, totally cool idea. Love to have one for the novelty. Um I just want to see like exactly what everything you know comes with. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I definitely won't race out and get one. I'll wait and see, but I'm not going to say I'm not going to get one. I'm too yeah. much of a collector. I'm too much of an <laughs> RC nut. You know. I mean, I got a lot of stuff that I don't use. You know, I I got a UDR that's hardly ever been driven, and it just sits there. Same with my X Max. But would I ever think about selling them? Heck, no. Nope. Yeah, I'm that way when it comes to some of the Axial stuff. Like when CKRC was closing and Jason was trying to get rid of everything, he was there's one one car that he said he had the hardest time figuring out what to do with it because he had in the box original Axial almost ready to run AX10, the one that was like all ready to go, but you had to put your electronics in it. And it was still new in the box, never been cracked. Seal's never wow. been cracked. And he's like, I just don't know what to do with it. So then he offered it to me for what I felt was a fair price. He offered it to me for 400 bucks because it's never been open. It's been chilling in the box, and he knows I'm not going to turn around and try and sell it for $1,000. Mm-hmm. So he was like, do you want it? And I jumped on it, and it literally sits on the shelf. Mm-hmm. I don't plan on doing anything with it. Right. Yep. And but and I'm kind of doing the same thing with the new um, B17 Betty, the 124th scale, the limited <laughs> I was edition. Just gonna ask you that. <laughs> yep. So I got one on order because it's it's probably gonna sit right next to the AX10. On what they're making only a thousand of them or something like that? Is that what I read? Something like that. It's yeah. They're not they're not making many of them, so that's crazy. Yeah, yep. that's very cool. Uh, what's the next one that Chris had? Let's see here. Because um, there Sean, were several parts. Yeah, he said, for Sean, what do you look for when choosing or building a U4 rig? Are there many off-the-shelf rigs left? When it comes to tire selection or foam, how do you decide weight, terrain, weather, etc.? Mm, yeah, I remember this one. Um, well, I mean, there's a lot of U4 rigs out there. I mean, you have a lot of classes. You've got one nine trails, so you could pick just about any trail car to run. Um, I would do the gatekeeper right now. I mean, the TRX four has dominated the field for a long time, just of its, its durability. But you know, it's just an all right car. This gatekeeper, I can't wait to get my hands on one of these gatekeepers because I've had Johns in my hand. It's just the whole setup is really cool. Isn't it neat? I love yeah. that thing. And then on 2-2, like, I mean, you know, you still got the Rock Ray. I mean, yeah, we don't have the Yeti no more. So 2-2, like, Indy class is tough because really it's just one car. It's the Rock Ray. The Rock Ray is a very tough car to 
to stay alive a whole full season. I mean, you got to put some money into it, but they're a lot, they're a lot of fun. Um, and of course, then there's the solid axle bomber class, you know, you get a bomber or Wraith or, or, you know, what is that? The G made or, uh, there's a lot of two, two solid cars out there that you could get. The thing with that is, is it, it's a, that's a driver's game right there. Cause that's a hard car to drive fast. Yeah, so there's something to take into consideration. Then there you have the uh, the FIS cars, which is uh, you know two two unlimited. The only car that you could buy right now over the counter is the Laser Nut. Everything else from there is total custom build, and so there's there's a little bit of a pocketbook concern there for some people. You know, it's not easy to get into. You need to be crafty with your build. And that's about it, really. Um, what do I look for? I'm a speed nut. So of course I'm looking at FIS or IFS cars. I'm not, I've given the solid axle thing a try. I enjoyed it. I, I definitely uh, like solid axle trophy more than anything, but that's a very expensive car to get into. So I look for an FIS car. I look for a strong build, something that's durable, like a techno and not to, not to, you know, plug my brand or anything, but any eight scale build is gonna do well in U4. You know, uh, there's not a lot of options is the problem. So, on tires and foams, um, that has to do with your track. If you're in U4, the way I break it down is in percentages or think of a pie. If your track is more short course than it is rock, then a solid single cell foam it would be the direction that I would go. If you're on a track that's more rock than course, then I would go with a dual stage foam. The reason why is once you start driving fast and you put that car into a turn with dual stage, you're getting a lot of side roll. That, that tire starts to peel over and you're, and you're losing traction. So having the single cell is keeping your tire from uh, getting you know, too much deformation that's then losing traction. So that's the way I look at that whole deal. As far as weather's concerned, that's that has, I guess, a little bit to do with compound um, and things like that. But I just run G8 higher X's. Some of the guys out there run Boom. Some guys run um, the Voodoo tires. Um, you know, naturally too sticky or too soft is not good for a fast car. You're just going to be fighting a lot of ballooning. So sticking to a tire that's not going to balloon is what you want on like a FIS car. When you're getting into the the solid axle cars and the trail cars, you don't need to worry about that. But a lot of guys don't use like a super soft compound. A lot of the guys are just running, you know, like like what you would find in a G8 compound. I don't I don't know a lot of all the other brands like Voodoo and Boom and things like that because I'm a Proline guy. So Harexes is all I run, or I'll run the uh, KLR3s on like a solid axle car that needs to have a little bit more slide, not so much grip, because the Harexes will hook and you will bicycle into the turns. So something to think about. But a lot of guys will take a, uh, a sander and sand the side of the tires down to get a little bit of that knobby off the side on a Harex. So that's a long-winded answer. Sorry. No, no, that was that was really thorough. That was good actually. Um, for Jay, Adam, and Sean, how do you decide or determine when a standard coilover shock or internal spring full bump droop is needed? Um, like we kind of talked about before the show a little bit, I have never played with internal spring stuff. Um, I'm building a car right now, a moon buggy that will 
use shocks like that. I don't have any experience yet, though, so I'm going to be learning it as I go. So I think uh, probably what I'll do is just kind of share my whole experience on the podcast Facebook page as I'm, you know, building this thing and kind of explain what I've found works and what doesn't, the things that I'm learning as I'm going along here. Yeah, I would, I wouldn't know, but to just because I'm a U4 guy, we wouldn't run an internal spring setup. I, I don't know anybody that's doing that. Um, you know, everything's just your standard coilover on the outside. Yeah. And Adam, you're really the only one of us that's met that's played with shocks like that, aren't you? Uh, so basically, it comes down to like personal preference and what you're trying to achieve, and um, I guess go from there. Um, back in the day, when I was like after the like when I used to try to like find the like ultimate setup, trying to like you know what's the word like kind of like cheat the system like you're trying to figure out the way to get your car to crawl the best and you're not going to like hack up the body and this that and the other i played around with the shocks a lot nowadays i pretty much just take like whatever comes with the car i usually run it i might turn it down because i've noticed that like like axial for example like when you get a ready to run they like to crank down on the collar and i don't know if it's just because they're you know they want to get it up off the tires or what but I always decrank them and just run it that way and they've always worked pretty well um, as far as the like internal um, shock go uh, it really like it's a it's kind of a look thing and you know how I always also go with how heavy is your vehicle because I've noticed that the internal like droop setup works better with really heavy cars because you want to keep that thing planted uh, if you got a lot of weight up top, you really don't want it, you know, unsprung weight flopping it side to side because that'll cause you to like roll over or fall backwards off a certain um, obstacle you're trying to crawl over. Or when you're descending, it'll make you go ass over and and just roll down. So um, that's it's like it's kind of hard. It's like one of those things you almost got to play with it. It's like if you're like, yeah, I think this is the the right. Um, route for me, you know, and then go from there. Um, and also the other thing too is if you go with like any of the internal shock or the internal spring ones, I've noticed that really, I think it's G-Made Transitions, I think is what they're called. They're one of the only ones that make like a real droop setup, like off the shelf style shock. Um, everything else, I've had really good luck with taking something like the um, Traxxas um, slash, like the big bores, and then just going down to like Ace Hardware and finding a spring that doesn't, that, you know, that you can kind of mess with. If it's like a little too long, you can cut it down, just make sure it's not too stiff, and kind of go around and play f with it from there. I know some people like to do like the spring, the pen cat, or was it the ballpoint pen spring mod? whatever they call it. Um, sometimes I find those aren't enough or they're too much, depending on, like, the piston. So, um, yeah, that's really all I got to it. I mean, it's it's hard to say when's the right time. It's kind of like personal preference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. You know, my, my opinion on a lot of shock questions, and, and I know Travis probably relate to this one and, and you too, Jay, is, you know, you get a lot of that in eight-scale buggy. You know, what's your shock oil? or what's your piston and it's like man i could tell you but that doesn't mean it's going to work for you 
You know what I mean? And, and then it also is like, well, what's the temperature outside? What, what's the track condition? Like, I could tell you what the oil and piston is in my car, but it doesn't mean it's going to work for you because I'm down here in California where it's hot. You might be somewhere where it's cold. You know, your track might be bumpy. Mine's smooth, vice versa. You know, it's just, it's such a, uh, it's such a hard question to answer and not be like, well, you know, it depends, you know, and it's like, well, great. Thanks for that answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stuff like that is really hard because it's so specific. And it's like when people ask the what's the best tire question, it's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> no real answer. Well, I like one question that's popping up like almost every single day on the LaserNut U4 page is what's your diff oils? I mean, I must see that every single day. On oh, there's, yeah. there's two LaserNut pages, and it's like, one guy will go on that, that page, you'll see the answer or the question asked on both, you know, and it, it just comes up like all the time. Like, what's your diffs? What's your diffs? What's your diffs? Like, man, that, that depends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can absolutely. tell you what mine is, but, you know, I can tell you what I run, but shoot, I run different gears, you know, the bigger the gear, the less oil, you know, the smaller the gears, the more oil. It's still like, ow, there's so much to it. Yeah, very true. Um, we got Alex Sims saying, the other week I did my first real night crawl with some friends. You're right about bringing headlamps. Very helpful when working on the vehicles. And then mm. also, did you announce a winner for the Halo reference? I did not see where anybody got the Halo reference at all. So we'll just have to do a different kind of giveaway coming up here instead. Um I'm not even going to bother explaining it because it's one of those things that probably just most people wouldn't even get anyways. Um, but, yeah, the headlamps, that's unnecessary. I mean, you need them not just for working on your car, but so you don't trip and fall and, you know, sprain an ankle or something. So, yeah, headlamps are I, – I can't recommend that enough for night driving. Um, mm -hmm. Rich Morgan, Sean's the real deal. Probably the most positive person I have ever met in RC. We were your U4RC rookies together a few years back. Uh, ask him if you only had to keep one RC, what would it be? One rule, can't be the DB48. Oh, you dirty bastard. You. <laughs> Rich is my buddy. Uh, well, gosh, that's tough. Um, my UC Fab Red Dragon. Yeah. Which uh, everybody's going to be like, what the hell's that? Uh, what that is, is uh, there's a guy out there, some people might know, a guy named Kyle. He owns a company named UC Fab. Uh, he's been around for a while. He does a lot of stuff with Laser Nut and a lot of crazy stuff. He built four of these cars. Only two of them really have hit the track. There's one guy, I think, Jeremiah Berry. He's got one. And then the fourth one is missing. No one knows where it went. Uh, oh, Gene, Boyd, Gene Boyd's got the other one, and then I got the other one. Uh, and that is a low C10 base car, fully custom with a laser nut racing cut pan by laser nut racing. Uh, and then, of course, Kyle welds up the cage. And, yeah, it's basically just a short course car with a SEX10 transmission in the center uh, with MIP drive lines to get it all connected. Um, and yeah, it's just custom from the top to the bottom. And, and like I've posted a, a couple of times, some people know, some people don't know I won a championship with it. It's just one of, it's a very rare car. They're not cheap. It's, it's a, it's a jewel. It's a, it's a gem of an RC and, uh, it's not something 
that I always want to bash on and beat on because it's dome tubed. So, you know, if you beat on it too hard, you're going to have to tear it apart and take it to the bench and kind of mallet it back together. Oh, which geez. is yeah. which is it's nerve wracking, believe me. But uh, it's a solid car. It always wins, and uh, I love it. It's a good good car. So that would have to be it. But man, taking the DV for the DV forty eight though, and any of those unlimited, you could just it's a it's a basher car. You know, you could just you could give it it all, and it's going to come back and say that's all you got. You know, that's the thing I love about it is you want to hit that quad, go for it because it's probably going to come back in one piece, you know, and that's, that's what I love about, you know, that car. But yeah, Rich is cool, man. He's a cool dude. I wish he would come out and race again, but he's, he, he's been spending good quality time with his family, which is a good thing. That's good. Yeah. Uh, looks like Mike Frisbee. Uh, Adam, thanks for the comment words about my wraith in the last episode I did paint the body myself all my trail rigs have the same colorway and design as it turns out I don't know your father-in-law but he sounds cool question do you guys see the value in the vanquish kits these days regular plastic kits are already so capable and durable vanquish makes a great product but I've used some of their parts on one of my rigs and I like them but I'm trying to understand how people justify buying these kits or they just overkill um, I I wouldn't say, I don't know. I mean, so much of this is personal preference and building yep. what you want that I don't think there is such a thing as overkill on something like that because, I mean, they're providing a lot of parts that if you were to try and build something like that from scratch, it'd be super expensive. Um, my opinion, yep. it's absolutely worth it. I mean, those are incredible rigs. The finish quality on all the parts that Vanquish makes is just amazing. So, I, you know, people that can afford them are going to buy them. There's some people that can't afford them that are going to buy them because I think it is a little bit of a status symbol too, kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're, I, I absolutely see the value in it. They're very, very nice. Yeah, it's like, I mean, does everybody need a BMW and a Mercedes? No. Good comparison, actually. Yeah, yeah. You know, not everybody needs to be driving a BMW or Mercedes, but they're, you know, they're they're a quality, nice-looking car, and it's the same scenario. Like, yes, does a G8 work? Absolutely. The Red Cat G8 works, you know. Is it cheaper than a Vanquish? (laughs) Hands down. But it's just, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you into it? Some of us... Some of us crazy RC guys just blow a ton of cash because we want it and we want to collect it. It's got nothing to do with how much performance I'm going to get out of it or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. You know, it's just we're all different. And when it comes to RC, some of us spend more than others for different reasons. A lot of it has to do with collecting and just being a car nut and wanting that special something that you just don't see every day. That's really what it boils down to. Yeah, it's very true. Adam, you got anything to weigh in about that, or you agree? Um, I mean, I like all valid points. I mean, it really comes down to what you know you're gonna like what you want. Um, it's you know some people say they gotta have it. Um, kind of like how I feel with some of the cars that I want to collect. Like I just go, oh, I gotta have it. Yep. Um, it's yeah. It's kind of like what's that saying? Um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, when they're buying stuff, they say they ask themselves that question. 
do I want this or do I need this? And the majority of the people buy just because they want, not because they need. Man, so, you don't need nothing. You need some food and some sleep. <laughs> you don't need anything but food and sleep. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, what do you want to do? I mean, but but I do also want to make it clear that when you do buy something from Vanquish, you're typically buying quality. You're not buying something like, you know, that's going to break, you know, in half when you run it one time. I mean, you're going to get what you pay for. So yeah. don't think like, oh, I'm spending all this money. I'm just paying for a name. You're actually getting quality. So. Yeah, there's a difference between CNC metal and pot metal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and those lays are here in the United States too. So, you know, uh, that's another thing that you, some people need to take into consideration that mm -hmm. us Americans don't work cheap. Yeah, true. You know, so when you start buying stuff from brands that, you know, pr primarily in-house their machining i mean you know come on man let's be realistic where do you think you're living you know yeah <laughs> okay dan sutherland how's the db48 treating you are you using the standard sct 410.3 gears and drive lines or have you moved to 1.8 scale stuff um and i can't scroll down um I do not have much wheel time behind my DB48, but have just, and now it's cut off. Where's our tech support guy? <laughs> I could ask you some of that while you're looking. Um, I run all nitro truggy gears. Um, so the NT48 uh, ring and pinions on the front and rear, which is, I, I want to say 12 and 9. Um yeah, it's a lower gear ratio, and then uh, I run actually a 46 spur, so again, that is out of the uh, NT48 line, and you do need to kind of lift the top plate up a little bit to get the gear to, to clear. Um, so yeah, I run a lot more underdriven than, than the short course, and then as far as, like I, I've already said it, I run short course axles. I do that because I love my Vanquish method wheels. Um, you do, you know, when you get in the rocks, you got to be cool to the car, man, when you're running them short course axles, like a lot of these guys in the laser nut world has discovered that, uh, uh, you snap axles really easy running short, running a short course car with two, two tires and with big power. Um, you get a little heavy finger and snap, snap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's what happens. Sorry, Losi, you might want to hit me up before you put that car together. <laughs> yeah. But you're working it out. I, I, the, once we, we get through the question, we've got some stuff to chat about. But uh, they're working it out, man. That They, they just they got caught with their shorts down with, with out-of-their-hands overseas vending and things like that. It's not really their – it's not something that they did on purpose. You know what I mean? Like it's just – you deal with overseas – Man, uh, you know, machining and stuff like that, and they don't do a drive cup just right, and they leave a, a gnat hair of that machining off, and next thing you know, it wears out the axle excessively fast, and then they snap, and that's exactly what happened. They're working it all out. I got lucky. My I don't have no problems with my laser nut car. Works perfect, you know. But um, yeah, so the DB48, I run all all NT, man. I don't run any of that because that cuts down on the heat. 
you know, running the short course gears and things like that um, makes the motor run a little hotter. I mean, yeah, the car runs faster, but you don't need all that speed with rock racing. That's true. What? So what are you guys going to do? Because the DB8 is being discontinued, and mm-hmm. it's not too long from now. You won't even be able to buy the cage. Well, yeah. Oh, oh. so, yeah, that whole thing. Well, so that, that is a sticky one, but there's a lot of things that are going to be discontinued on the actual DB48 build. And, you know, a cage is a cage. You can, everybody uses a team associated cage on the DB48. Um, and so, yeah, once that cage really goes away, which the interior has been gone for over a year now, uh, and everybody just uses Rockray interior. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, it's going to be hard to keep that car alive, but, also on top of that is Techno discontinued the ET48.3, and that's really what the chassis is on that car. Um, and so that chassis will be hard to get, but all the what is it, the MC company, MC2 or whatever, they make a chassis still. So will you be able to keep yours alive? Yeah, you're just going to have to do a little more research. What am I going to do about it? Wait until the new... ET48 2.0 comes out. Don't worry, everybody. <laughs> right on. I'm, yeah, because I, I wanted to build something like that, but I just the cage is the hardest thing to track down. Yeah, so the, on the whole cage thing, what I'm going to end up doing is probably using the laser nut cage. But what, oh. what I've already mounted the laser nut cage on my DB48 and kind of looked at it a little bit, and it works very well with the current chassis. The problem is, is my my suspicions is is if you notice, the chassis on the uh, EB48 2.0 is wide. You know, Techno went with a wide chassis platform set up this time around, and I have a sneaky suspicion that they're going to do the same thing with the Truggy. And if they do that, then the body's not quite going to fit. So um, I actually have a few people uh, working on lots of custom stuff for this laser nut car shock towers chassis wheels i mean they got a group three guys in particular that are doing everything they can to come up with something and a little bit it has to do with being able to yeah do just that get a build a new db48 use the uh laser nut cage and it just might have to be with a custom chassis so you know once that comes out i'll have a new build coming i know rich morgan's poking around with the idea of mounting the laser nut cage um, on there, and and that's probably where it'll go. It'll probably go to just figuring out a way to get that cage to work if if you just can't find a DB cage no more. The thing is, is is they're always going to be out there. You're just gonna the, the thing about U4 is it's really other than the Rockray One Nine Trail and now this new laser nut car. There really isn't a car that you could just go buy over the counter. You have to build it yourself, and and that's really what a lot of U4 is all about. You guys know this already. Um, you guys were into U4 long before me. Uh, this is something that you got to kind of be creative. You got to be, you got to put the juice, the the creative juice hat on, and start thinking outside of the box a little bit. Um, it is, it is the challenge of U4. It's what we struggle with with attendance on top of the fact that you built this custom build and now you're going to go beat it on rocks, you know? Yeah. You know, it's something that it, it takes a true crazy RC nut to get into U4. <laughs> yeah. No, I can see that. 
Absolutely. Because it's just mean to the car, you know. It's it's mean to the car, you know. And and so like, let's just go down that road. You you go get yourself a UC Fab build, and you know they're several thousand dollars, not just a thousand. They're several thousand, and then you're gonna go beat on it with rocks. It's like a lot of the guys just are like, yeah, I'm not doing that. That's, <laughs> that's just stupid, you know. That's just dumb. And I get it. I'm not the smartest tool in the shed. I love RC. It's a, an addiction. I don't care. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm gonna build, we're going to build a new DB48. It's going to be, I don't think I'm going to call it a DB48. I don't know what I want to call it, but it'll be something, something 2.0. <laughs> That'll be cool. I'm excited to see what, what you end up doing. Yeah. Uh, we got Nick LaRusso. I've been out of the crawler scene and RCs for a while. Novak crawler brush system. We think the new hot. We think was a new hot thing when I was in. Um, just found out. Just found the show a few weeks ago, and I'm enjoying the shows. Thank you. Also, Jay's giving me some suggestions on my Enduro Builders Kit with the SOR LCG kit on the Enduro. Thanks for that. My question is for Adam. Where in the Bay Area do you recommend to go crawl? I've been to Bean Hollow and Linda Vista, but looking for other places around the Bay and Monterey. Okay, that's a good question because, honestly, there's not a ton of places around here. You've already kind of, you know, explored the two popular spots, um, Bean Hollow. But the problem with Bean Hollow is you have to go – you have to watch the tides because you can see some really cool rock formations when the tide goes really low. Um, the higher the tide, it, all the good crawling's underwater. So – um, and also, to anyone listening that also is in this area that wants to go, that is on the coast. That is ocean water. I know a lot of people do not like running their rigs by ocean water, but if you clean them, stay on top of it, you're pretty good. Um, Get that moose slick and moose slick the snot out of it. You'll be fine. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think because honestly, I don't do a lot of crawling here I wait till I go up to the mountains in Auburn and stuff so um, there used to be some cool crawling but it's it, you you're kind of like over it in about a half hour um, behind Carmont High School in the San Carlos Hills um, slash Belmont area um, hence the name Carmont uh, it's like a downhill bike area but there's a lot of I guess you can say trails that you could go. Uh, we used to do that a lot. Um, otherwise, you kind of like nailed it. There really isn't anything else. I'm surprised down in the Monterey area. Um, actually, I know that they did the that one event. Oh, what was it? Crawlmasters at Pigeon Point. Um, basically, anything by the coast is going to have some pretty cool rock formations. So, um, yeah. That Crawlmasters that was down in that area, that place was gnarly looking. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So there's some crazy, there's some crazy places, and which actually makes me wonder if, when he was in, I know, Genentech, um, uh, they used to have like they used to have comp crawls there. I would not recommend taking a a, a scale crawler there, but if you were like had a Berg or an AX10 or anything of that nature, I know they always went to. Um, Genentech to do crawling out there, but that's really about it. That's a weird name. 
Genentech. Yeah. They're a big um, genetic corporate. I think that's what they do. It's a big old corporation up in um, what is that? South City, Daly City area. Huh. Um, they got, it's like on the. It's where it's kind of like almost. It's on the other side of the bay, I guess you could say. It's kind of in the San Francisco Bay area. Um, so it's got a lot of – it's like gnarly wall rock and all that stuff. I mean vertical stuff like comp crawler lines, not um, – like I said, not something you'd take your scaler. So Crazy. Huh. That sounds fun. Yeah, definitely. Man, where your those videos that you sent out, Jay, and I, me and you were messaging or you know commenting on each other. That is beautiful country out there. Holy cow! Oh, the ones from our trip. Oh my god, that's so Dude, beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> that whole like I'm I'm ready to go back like right now. I mean, that was so much fun. I'm like I, I go. I'm like I need a vacation. <laughs> I need to go hang out with Jay. That's just too nice. Dude, there was like <laughs> one other group of people camping by us and they were gone pretty early the next day like it, it just it, it was just the perfect perfect thing nobody was around we could walk through the campsite next to us and I mean there was just stuff everywhere to explore and check out it wasn't overly cold I mean it it was a really really good time we had a lot of fun so I, I would give anything to get a group of people together and go hang out over there for a weekend that would be such a great time yeah, uh, I it, I would definitely try and do something like that. I need to do a trip with RC other than just to Arizona anyway. But. Oh, dude, it's it's so nice when you're just shorts and a t-shirt. It's 80 degrees, perfect temp. Just it's so nice. Wow. Um, Jeremy Joseph Folson says, "Okay, let's try this again on the gatekeeper. What upgrades or modifications should be considered during the initial build? What are your thoughts on the independent front suspension kit?" So, I haven't really upgraded anything on the gatekeeper because it comes with all hard plastic. So, I mean, really, I mean, the only things that aren't like top of the line stuff that came on it was the shock parts like the shock cap and the lower spring cup those are plastic versus aluminum on the regular builders kit but i mean it's like not i i don't see that being like a necessary upgrade or anything i didn't really modify anything during the build i just built it the way that it you know the way the manual was um because i do want to go a little bit faster with this i I don't remember what offset I bought. I'll have to look, but I went with a little bit wider SLW hubs so that it would have a little more stability and not roll over as bad. Um, Probably 475s. Yeah, it, it wasn't like a ton like what I did on the 1.9 bomber because that thing was just way too skinny. But uh, you don't want to go too far out because then you start messing with like scrub and things like that. But it doesn't doesn't turn as well either. Yeah, exactly, and it changes a lot once you start using big spacers. But I went with a little bit wider SLW hubs, um, the independent suspension, that IFS kit. I threw that on there. I haven't changed anything on that. Um, still has the stock springs and everything. The rear, I did go to 42.5 oil and used um, the black IFS springs on the rear. That's going to be too stiff unless you have a spare tire hanging out way over the back like what I did. Um, 
the stock springs are just too soft and so the back compresses really hard when you're climbing up stuff if you have a spare on it with the stock springs so um, if you're going to do a spare go with black springs really I mean aside from that there's not anything you really got to do I mean it comes with metal pivot balls and I mean I I don't know I've it has plastic gears in the trans but I've never had the plastic gears fail on any of them because they're really really wide so you've got a lot of contact patch there you know where the gears are meshing so I I have no issues with it having the plastic gears I think that's fine um, personally I would keep them plastic until you find a failure and the reason why is you always want to try and keep that rotating mass down. Yeah. Don't, you really don't want – we've got – I was talking to guys in Dragon, aluminum wheels, and, yeah, it looks great, but there is a, a, a significant difference in rotating mass. And, and, and when you're talking a little motor trying to push that stuff, it, it, it makes – it impacts the performance. Yeah. Yeah, and heat, too. The motor's going to build more heat yep. the more weight it's trying to turn. So, I mean, there's a lot of things to think about there. I I have a stupid amount of power in mine, so I don't I don't know if I would even notice necessarily other than, like, the slow crawling. But I got really lucky. Like, I found the sweet spot right away with that build. I, uh, I've got a Tekken RX-4 in it and a 3100 kV Rock 412 motor, and I geared it. 2878 so it's actually got like a lot of top speed and goes pretty fast you know like fast enough to get over some of the doubles at the track out at die hard but it also slow crawls really good and being geared that tall it is so buttery smooth off the bottom end like it's so nice and it doesn't build any heat i was really worried about cooking the thing doing slow crawling with it geared that tall but it's been fine so you know if you're gonna make it a go fast and have you know, some fun with it and stuff. It it'll, it's gonna handle anything if you go with a, you know, brushless system that's kind of in that KV range. Yep. Like I said in the beginning, the uh, the three thousand thirty five hundred KV on three S. I don't know if you're two or three, but that that is a perfect combo for just about any solid axle racing. Any. 2-2, Indy, Racer, I mean, the 30, any 3,500, 3,100, 3,000 on 3S, that's plenty. plenty, oh, plenty yeah, plenty. that thing has a 3S in it, and it's it's an yeah. absolute rocket ship. I mean, it, it is so much fun. Yeah, for, for a 1.9, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so why we're, why we're kind of on the gatekeeper here, um, this is a good transition into what we wanted to talk about with you for. But I have some questions for you, Sean. Yep. Before we start diving into that, so actually, Jake, can I cut you off for a second? Because I may. just want to do it. I, okay, I just want to re- go back to the Nick Larusso question because I was thinking about it while you guys were talking. There is one other place in the Bay Area that's got good crawling. I don't know if now would be the time to go. Um, I mean, well, I guess it is before the weather starts getting bad. Um, Rock City at Mount Diablo in um, Danville. Um, they they have some killer terrain. It's really like that one area that they call Rock City in uh, Mount Diablo. Um, that place has some good crawling. The only downfall is since it's a big public park, um, a lot of people go hiking. There's a lot of people that walk their dogs, so sometimes you got to deal with that. Um, but other other than that, I think that's really about it as far as, like, the go-to Bay Area crawling areas. 
Mm-hmm. And that was it. So you can go back to Gatekeeper. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no problems. Diablo looks pretty neat. Um, so with the Gatekeeper, my first thoughts was, would it be legal in the 1-9 trail class, which sounds like it would be. So that's yep. cool. Yep. Now, not, not with the FI or the IFS. That was my that was my next question. If you have one that's IFS, what class are they going to bump you into? Like with the twin hammers and those cars? Yeah. So this is a good one because what I've actually ended up doing with that used to be called the one nine Indy class, and because we don't see very many twin hammers anymore. Um, so that class almost came to an end there for a minute. And we, and me and Brian Jones, the president of U4, my partner, uh, we were like, what are we going to do with this class? Cause no one's bringing any cars. And that's when I was like, well, something I've been wanting to do is build a one nine unlimited car. You know, let me get some more techno out there. So my buddy, uh, Fidel Sanchez, who does, uh, was it build them fresh RC, he built a ET or EB 410 into a 1.9 racer with a capper cage. You guys might have seen the Right. That. That's a good idea. And so we started racing that against the uh, Richard Vasquez, who still runs the Twin Hammers, and he's fast with that Twin Hammers. So we're like, you know, Rich, of course, is like, ah, it's independent against, you know, IFS. I'm like, come on, Rich, just play the game. Let's just see how it goes. And Rich beat them. I mean, it's, you know, Rich is fast as that car. So IFS and FIS, we call it one nine open. And so that's where you could put that, that car into is, is what now I've come up with a class called one nine open and it's a one nine class where it's just bring it, whatever you got. That's cool. I think that's a great idea. You could run solid. You could run fully independent. You could run IFS, whatever you want, as long as it's got a one nine tire on it. Put it, put it down, and let's see what you got. Now, my second, the second half of this question I've got for you is, um, we have a lot of guys up here because we're AE is a big sponsor of the Die Hard RC Park, and mm-hmm. which wonderfully, as a result, there's a lot of AE drivers there and people that run their cars, and mm-hmm. there's been a lot of dudes buying the Gatekeeper. And one of the things that we've been kicking around is doing a U4 track. But mm-hmm. what we've kind of been thinking about doing, because we, it's going to be a lot of newbie guys, because there's a lot of racers that have gotten into crawling, but there's not a lot of crawling guys that have got into racing at, you know, mm-hmm. here in our local area. So it's going to be a big mix of everybody, and it's going to be... A lot of new people, like new, you know, new racers that are driving, you know, a one nine crawler and trying to go fast with it and stuff. So here's my thought: what I would like to do to start to establish a U4 program here. Mm-hmm. What I'm thinking is kind of go the route like what they did at Axial Fest, where you lay out a course and you basically walk your way around it. That way, you're not, you know. 50, 100 feet away on a driver's stand trying to see this little car going through the rocks and stuff. What I'm worried about is it being frustrating for people right off the bat, especially a lot of new guys that have never stood on a driver's stand before. But what I thought would be really cool is you would get that interaction and laughing and stuff and kind of take some of that competitive edge off if you 
kind of eliminated the driver's stand, like nervousness racing feeling, if you eliminate mm -hmm. that from the program mm -hmm. and you have a track where you just kind of meander around the infield as you're going around the track. And then that way, you know, you're not dealing with people that can't see and you can drive around somebody and see exactly where you're at and go around them. And, you know, I think it would bring a lot more of like a fun, like let's laugh and have a good time element to it mm -hmm. when you're trying to get something like this off the ground and yeah you know corner your own rig the scorekeeping mm -hmm. would be pretty easy you wouldn't have to make people run out and get a bunch of transponders necessarily you could you know do really easy scoring there's a number of different ways that you could do it and I've done this I've actually done this at ProLine by the fire that's that's what I was wondering how did that work out for you guys did everybody have awesome. a good time yeah yeah we did the, the complaint that I, I did get a complaint. Uh, what it was was I don't want to run after my car. <laughs> right, right. Um, it was fun. And what we ended up doing is you have a, a lot like with the trail. You got a guy that's following you with a clipboard to make sure you're not cutting corners. And what we did was hot lap. We, you know, a guy would go up, all right, Mark, set, go. And the your, your – judge would follow you while you ran your car and make sure that you were playing fair. And then it was just timed. Everything was just timed. So uh, you probably could do that with multiple drivers if you had multiple judges, you know. Um, you could probably do, you know, everybody that drives has to be a judge. So you do like 2-2 class goes up first, and the 1-9 class judges for the 2-2. That way you, you get everybody out there all at one time, you know, to keep the, keep the program moving. Uh, and then everybody, you know, you, your buddy, you know, judges for you. The trick is, is you wouldn't want any favoritism going on, you know. That's where it kind of gets tricky is if you get two guys that are kind of being teamy and one guy's going to cut a corner and the judge isn't going to mark it, that's where it kind of gets a little tricky. But I think that idea would be a lot of fun. Um, It'd be kind of cool. It's something different and and you know i'm always down for trying something different you know it's why not what i was thinking to bring some of the actual take some rc feel away from it and give it some more one-to-one -one feel yeah. is, is do a one lap timed qualifier and mm -hmm. do that to stack up your main and do rows you know actually have a starting grid and do it that way but i mean run it for you know if especially because the majority of this is going to start out one nine trail guys you know they're right. going to be out there with their crawler their gatekeeper and stuff that's going to probably be the biggest class so what yep. i was thinking is it really would work really well to try and like introduce these dudes into it and it's really easy you can get around people pretty easy um I, i'm thinking run it for you know what like a 10 15 20 minute main because with a one nine car and your you know your crawler you can be gone for hours before you need to change batteries so make it a little bit of endurance race where you gotta get the car to actually finish and not beat the crap out of it you know and every, every decision that you make is really gonna count that way so i was thinking that would be a really fun format to do where it's a lot like i mean you, you couldn't do you know, where you're on your own clock necessarily because that opens up a lot of scoring issues and stuff. I mean, you could if you had a computer. Mm -hmm. but, but if you're just, you know, like like we're talking about, just you've got somebody kind of watching, you know, from the other class to make sure you're doing stuff right and everything, I think I can build the course enough to where you can eliminate the cheating part of it, you know, if you've got it yeah. blocked in good enough. 
but I really think something like that would be super, super fun. I mean, it's not the intense racing of RC racing, and it's not the physically demanding aspect of, like, Scale Ultra, let's say. It's kind of this happy medium that I'm trying to make friendly for everybody. So I was just kind of curious what your thoughts were, you know, and it sounds like it's something you've done and it was successful, so that makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Everybody had a good time at the Proline by the Fire. That was actually the last Proline by the Fire that we did that, and and we were going to do it again this year, and and I'm sure I will do something when we do have the Proline by the Fire. I will probably be out there with something like that, you know, ag- cool. a- again, because we did have a good time with it. You know, I, I kind of, you know, what it was is I had everybody going up these rocks and then back down it. And, you know, if you're not kind of a gazelle a little bit, it was tough, <laughs> it was tough on your knees. You know, even me, my old butt, I would jump down off this one rock and ugh, it was just rough. So <laughs> if you're a guy that's kind of heavy set or something like that, it's not fun for you. And I understand. And then, of course, you know, we're doing it during the summer. So you're out there running and you know, after your car in the heat and, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's, um, but for me personally, you know, and a lot of, especially if you want to go down this, the old school U4 guys, they, you know, they're always about, it's gotta be like King of the Hammers. That idea is much more like a King of the Hammers than what I do. What I do is nothing like what King of the Hammers is. And it's what kind of, you know, that's the backlash that I get. Oh, you don't have enough rock, and, you know, that's not you four. That's just you running a car on a track. Well, they have short course. I mean, like, Ultra 4 is more than just the king of the hammers. Like, that, people right. don't realize that's one race. They have, you know, like, when they go to Crandon and stuff, I mean, that's there's a lot of short course involved when they go to Crandon and some of these other places. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, there, there's people need to kind of... It's hard to get rock and hard to get labor. <laughs> it's not easy. Oh, I lose you guys. I hear you. What happened here? Oh, no, I hear you. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's not easy. You know, building the art, you building a U four track is tough. Oh yeah. So we lost him out of the call real fast. Oh, geez. I keep losing. Almost there. Yeah, I keep losing. Yeah, it's really stormy out here. Yeah, weather's getting crazy. Yeah, sorry about that. So I I don't even know where you left off before I dropped off there. But anyways, no, good. I mean, that that's... That's all I wanted to know is, you know, if you thought that was something that was kind of feasible. I think we can make the traffic thing work and have plenty of room for people to walk by each other and not have to run or anything. So, I think it's a great idea. Anything to be able to get the guys out with their with that car is a good thing, you know. Well, and then eventually, you know, it can turn into what you guys do down there. You know, sure, it, you get but, enough people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, this way it's not, you know, this massive investment. It's beginner friendly. It's very kid friendly this way, too, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. So, well, right on. I mean, my, my attendance isn't that big. I mean, COVID's, well, there's a lot of things. When I lost the, uh, when, when Chris Pickering quit racing and we don't have the Cherry Valley one, that lost a lot of people. 
once I went with CTRC and didn't quite have all the rock that everybody wanted, that lost some people, and then COVID hit. <laughs> and then it was just like, man, you know, it this year, this 2020 has just been really hard for me to keep you for going. That's why I didn't have a series this time. I just, you know, the whole topic hanging on by a thread with, with you four, there's been numerous conversations where we've almost thrown in the towel and I've just been like, no, we got to hang on, man. Even if it's just two of us out here playing fun, playing with RC cars, let's just keep it going until it's literally just me and no one's showing up. Then finally I'll throw in the towel and then Losi comes out with his laser nut car. So now me and Brian are looking at each other going, and then AE comes out with the gatekeeper. So it's like there's two really, really cool, more than capable U4 racers that you can buy over the counter and come race. I mean, there's been over the counter cars for a while, but like I said before, some of these cars take custom builds. This is kind of changing the game a little bit more. More and more cars we're starting to see come out that can be made into or just like the laser nut car, just pull it out of the box and race it. You know? It's uh it's a it's a cool thing. So that's something that I've tried to do after I got my hands on a laser nut car, I started looking at it and thinking to myself, you know, this thing's gonna have a hard time keeping up with the two two unlimited class. Why don't we and I was talking to another gentleman named Oscar, you know, who brought it to my attention, why don't we just have a laser nut class race? And my first approach on that was I don't know how I feel about that because that's being that's catering strictly to one brand. But really, we're already doing that with the two-two uh, indie class. I mean, that's literally a rockery class. So the more I thought about it, I was like, well, you know, to keep it fair for the guy that's buying an RTR, and you know, to say that you're going to bring that laser nut into two-two and even have a chance, I don't know, man. You'd have to be like Jose Alvarado came out and raced with us, and he did well. But you'd have to be a Jose Alvarado to be able to do that. You know, like it's going to be tough for just your your new guy to pull a laser nut car out and keep up with two two. So I was like, let's come up with a laser nut spec class. You can replace all the electronics on the car, but you've got to keep it at nineteen hundred kV because that's what comes with the car. And just and just let it be that class nineteen hundred spec, which it's not really spec, but that's what it is. It's cut off at the knees at nineteen hundred. Um, I think that's a great idea. So it just keeps it a box stock RTR race, you know, very much like our 1.9. Uh, you know, the 1.9 trail class is very much a box stock class. Not many people race that class, though. You know, everybody, unlimited is is where we have 10, 12, 13 guys up on the driver's stand. All the other classes are hard, much smaller, you know. But, like, when we race unlimited, we don't have turn marshals. We have maybe one or two guys to turn marshal. That's how many drivers are on the stand. It's it's getting to the point now where it's tough, boy, when we're racing 2-2 Unlimited. You can't wreck because there's, there's no marshal for you. <laughs> we, we started running into that, too, with our program. As it started to peter out, we were just like, man, this is too hard. Yeah, I don't mind it because, uh, like I just said, I don't race marshal to marshal. So I like it, you know. I... Uh, I'm not the fastest racer, but I try my hardest to drive with precision. Um, and so, yeah, I might get passed, but, uh, you know, I try not to wreck my car for multiple reasons. Like when it comes to eight scale, 
I got some expensive paint jobs. I don't want to scratch them. <laughs> no, I totally understand. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to drive cool and make it look good. You know, <laughs> um, I've been racing in open and just getting my butt handed to me, but it's fun. You know, it's fun. Trying your hardest not to get lapped by Adam is, <laughs> <laughs> is a grin. I love it. I don't mind coming in last, but it, it makes, you know, it makes me drive with more care and, and uh, that's, you know, with right now with 2-2 Unlimited, that's what you're doing, man. We're driving out there with two marshals. And Brian, who's trying to, like, MC the race and then turn marshal at the same time, he'll be, like, talking on the mic, and all of a sudden you'll hear the mic get set down, and he'll run out there and <laughs> turn marshal for you, you know. And so, you know, we've been hanging on, trying to keep it going, um, which is, you know, another thing. I got hit up by Horizon Hobbies, uh, Brian Nunn's, um, and they are interested in what we're doing with you 4 And I'm hoping that the rain doesn't come this weekend. We're supposed to get rain this weekend, but I'm having a race this weekend. Horizon Hobbies is coming out. Brian Nunn's, it's, yes, it's all based around this laser nut car. I'm sure they probably got more stuff up their sleeve. That otherwise, they wouldn't be poking at me. Um, so I'm super excited about that. I couldn't be any more excited about it. Um, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to the competition, you know, I, oh, yeah. I always am looking forward to more competition. That's why I had a helping hand and Cody Thompson and building his hot bodies car. It's like, I want to get more cars out here naturally. Yes, of course. I want everybody to drive a techno. You all should be driving techno. But I also like the competition. <laughs> Dude, that HB is probably a fantastic U4 car because those things are just bomb-proof like the Techno. It is. Um, but that, uh, you know, again, that's, you know, fully custom build from the ground up. There's a couple little modifications that you need to do to get the buggy and the truggy to, to mesh together. But it is. It's sick build. Very sick and it's solid that's the other thing is it's a very solid build and again how did we put the cage we used the db cage db40 or a db nomad cage on it um and that's how we you know got it into u4 so yeah you got a lot of cars out there that all look exactly the same because it's kind of the only cage out there <laughs> yeah that's know. all right though i mean you know it's expense that's an expensive uh process um that 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 machining and the tooling that it takes to be able to spit out a cage. And so that's why techno never really bought into that idea. Um, is, is it's just not feasible for a company that strictly is just eight scale racing. They don't have anything to do with you for and, and horizon hobbies has got the money to be able to invest in it. And then when they get supported by laser nut to put together their car and then you got, you know, Kyle who handed them the very first, scale laser nut car and it sat on axial's desk before axial bought or before horizon bottom it's like shoot half the work was already done <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know and then they just take it and and take the tenacity which is you know decade you know technology or more you know because that's just a a tlr 10 2.0 basically um you know all that stuff was already done you know, the difference that I noticed when I started digging into the car, like my Dragon, for instance, which is all TLR equipment, is you definitely can tell that there's more uh, resins or fibers in the plastic uh, from the TLR stuff than the Tenacity stuff. 
Um, you know, you, when you look at the, the ring and pinion gears on the laser nut car, they're pop metal, you know, versus hardened steel was what you're getting with the TLR stuff. Um, the car still works, you know, very well. For $599, shoot, you can't beat it. You can't beat that. You ain't touching a DB48 ready to run for $599. Maybe used and all scratched up. Right, yeah. There's no way, dude. No way. Even at my cost, you're not getting it at that, you know? So, they're an expensive car to build, but they're solid, man. <laughs> this has got me wondering here. Like, I'm I'm kicking around. As soon as you started talking about, what was it, the, the EB or the ET410? Oh, yeah, the, the, it, it, the one that, that I decided was the best idea to go with was the EB because the ET is too wide. Okay, it's that's just, my question. Yeah. yeah, so you go with the EB410, and then uh, the way we actually did it, or, you know, he did it was uh, you chop the shock towers in half. So you do get the links, you know, to hold the, the A-arms, but the shocks actually mount to the, the capper cage. Oh, okay. So it gives it that more like that trophy, you know, like on our trophy class. Right, That's right. the way it has to be done. You have to mount to the cage. You can't yeah. use any. So, um, so it kind of looks better. It's more scale. You know, again, that is a very much of a creation, and you very much need to be or a tinker in RC to put something like that together. Um, it's not just going to slap together really super easy. Like the DB48 – you know, as Legos, it just, you know, the, all the techno stuff, just that particular car just bolts together. No modifications needed. No, you yeah. need a Dremel tool. You don't need none of that. The hot bodies build, you need a Dremel tool. The associated build, again, you don't need nothing for that one. That one's right out of the box. Um, Richard Vasquez's car is not a DB Nomad. It's got DB Nomad. Some of it is, but it's really a true... Uh, truggy, uh, you know, AE truggy and buggy mixed together is what that is. It's, gotcha. it's a much nicer car. Um, but, uh, yeah, that that particular, the 1.9 build is, you, you know, the A-arms are flipped because, you know, the shocks are in the front of the A-arms on the rear. On that one, the, shock, the shocks are mounted on the rear of the A-arms. So you got to flip the A-arms around. You got to, you know, it's a lot of a lot of little funky stuff that you got to do to get it to work right. Well, you got me thinking now because I'm just sitting here looking at a B74 and I'm like, man, I wonder what you could do with a B74 and then throw like a gatekeeper cage on it somehow. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. now now the wheels are turning and I want to make something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. I mean, you can – that's the thing about U4 is it's – it's a creator's world, you know, like any, like, any, like all we do with our scale stuff, even the scale trail stuff. It's a lot of it is, yeah, some guys are out there with just out of the box, but boy, a lot of like what you guys do, you know, a lot of that is full custom, yeah. you know, you start with a box, but by the time it's out on the trail, it's <laughs> not what you see in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, man, I hope that goes really good with Ryzen going out there. It's, it, I do too. 
It's such a fun form of racing, and that's just it. It's like it was some of the most fun I've ever had racing an RC car, and it's just I was so sad to see it start to go away. So I'm I'm hoping that, you know, now with some of the things that are available on the market just ready to go, I, I would really like to see a resurgence in it because it was such a kick in the ass. Mm-hmm. I do too. It's why I've been in Brian's ear for, gosh, I don't even know when I first, uh, 2016, and, like, I mean, it's been a struggle. Like, there's been many times where we just thought throwing in the towel, quit it, knock it off. There's not enough people. You, you know, 10 guys show up. It's like, what are we doing? And I've just been stubborn. I've just been, nope, until I'm the last one standing, I'm running you for, man. I don't care. I know it's not what it used to be. I get it. You know, I wasn't around then. I was busy doing other RC stuff. Probably flying is what I was doing or boats or something. But, um you know, I don't look back. I look forward. <laughs> well, and I mean, because of your persistence and sticking with it, now, you know, we're looking at an opportunity for it to come back. Know, again. Yeah, I yeah, so. exactly. So, no, I, I, I really hope awesome. so. It's, it's been my whole reason why I've stuck with it this whole time is just like, it's a lot of fun. And, and scale, we, we had this conversation the first time. Scale is huge, and it's only going to keep growing. And the U4 thing is very much around scale, and then it's competitive. So, yeah, does there, you know, the, the racing side of RC is definitely not for everybody. And, and it, there's drama, there's, there's over, there's cheating, there's, I mean, we, you know, there's all kinds of crazy stuff when it gets into competition. But us crazies, we love it. <laughs> and so you got to have it for them. I mean, you know, there's the crawler guy that wants to go fast. That's what I said the, 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 on the last podcast that I was with you guys. That, you know, there's that crawler guy that does want to go fast, and that's what you force for. You know, it's not for everybody, but it's here for the guys that do want to do it, you know. Yeah, which is fantastic. Did you ever try it at Axial Fest, Adam? Nope. Um, I never did the ultra or the only one I did was the I didn't do rock racing. I did the ultra once when I first got my bomber and it browned it browned out or whatever. It overheated. The system overheated. It was I got the wrong one. That was my mistake. Um, and yeah, so that brushless system was giving me crap. I made like two or three laps and I just called it, but. Um, as far as the actual rock racing, um, I've marshaled at Axial Fest for the rock racing, but I've never actually uh, participated in it. Gotcha. I never got up early enough to check it out because we were always crawling so late at night because it wasn't crowded, and then I'd end up missing the rock racing the next day. So, but, yep. Um, yeah, the rock racing is pretty crazy. The only thing is um, with especially with the axe the one at axial fest typically i mean you like that's what we were there for we were there to flip them all back over but i mean sometimes it was so gnarly it's like we're sitting there trying to pick up like four cars at once trying to flip them all back over because they just bottleneck in one area and just you know roll mm-hmm. over it's almost like watching it's it is true it's almost like watching king of the hammers when they get in those bottlenecks and they start driving over each other oh yeah yep <laughs> well that's that you know and that's it's funny that is 
that's legal. That's legit. You know how like in eight scale, you know, you, or, or it's even worse in, in 10 scale carpet or clay, you nip somebody and the arguing and the shouting and the crying and the tears and the stomping of the foot on the driver's stand. Man, that is a go in U4. <laughs> when we're in the rocks, it's game on, buddy. If you yep. are stuck, I'm going over you. I don't want to hear you <laughs> cry about it. Knock it off. This is what we do. You know, yep. if I bump you and when we're in the rocks and you go flying off into the side, too bad. You know, that's just what we do. Um, yep. Now, once we're out on the track, it's a gentleman's race. You know, like right, right. be cool. Be cool when you're out on the don't you know, don't don't be dirty out on the track. But when we're in the rock garden, it's very much a game on situation. You know, well, um, it, it's hard to keep that, you know, like. No, yeah. you know, like going through yeah. the rock sections. I mean, you can get pitched a certain way and hit somebody. You know, I mean, there's just so many variables that yeah. it's just kind of expected, you know. It's all about your approach. You don't want to go in full pin. Go in easy. Get your car into the rocks. Then get on the gas. Hold it down about halfway and just hold it there. Don't pin it. Don't, oh, you know, don't blip the throttle. Don't be going blip, 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 blip through the rocks. No, 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 no. Just... Get it in there, hold the mid mid throttle right there, and just let her cruise. Boom, 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 boom. Once you get over, then pin it. You know. Yeah, and exactly. That's, it's about the approach. A lot of guys will just they're just trying to barrel right into the rocks and wham. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's like that's not how you do it. That's how you break it. You know, that's how you get broken. We had a racer come out for one of our U4 races way back when we had first started all this, and he. Pretty much thought like, oh, I'm gonna smoke all of these guys because he was a competitive nitro buggy racer and he bought a Yeti, and he tried going through the rocks like any other section of the track and just wadded the thing up and. Oh yeah. He ended. That was his last day. He, he it wasn't for him. It was yeah. You know so that he, was that was stupid and you know. He shot across the sky with a bright flash. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we never saw him again. He yeah. he, he didn't under, didn't understand the whole game of attrition thing there. Yeah, I've seen some uh, I've seen some buggy drivers do pretty good with you for but again yeah it's when they're out of the rocks once they get into the rocks boy do they struggle yeah but when you know the, you could tell they're a buggy racer once they're out on the track when you see them you know positioning the car in midair for the next turn <laughs> you're yeah. like oh he knows what he's doing yeah exactly <laughs> yep yeah well, was there anything else you wanted to go over for your guys' program and stuff or anything else you want to talk about? Uh, well, so in 2021, I will be starting a series again. Um, we're going to force feed it. Uh, a lot of it has to do with how serious Horizon Hobbies wants to get in. Um, it's all driven off of this laser nut car. You know, we've it's been a... It's been a success, actually, as much as, as flack as it's gotten online. It's actually proven itself. Brian Jones came out, opened one up with the seals right there on the track, fresh out of the box, and finished, I think it was second or third oh, in wow. a race. So the car is more than capable right out of the box. You don't need a servo. You don't need any of that stuff. Will you eventually? Oh, yeah, for sure. sure everybody, yeah. Knows, everybody knows you're going to need a servo, but that servo made it a whole race. His axles made it a whole race. I'm super pumped about it. It's my competitor, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm excited about the whole thing. Um, that's, you know, this whole laser nut car, 
Horizon Hobbies being interested, even looking at what we're doing is, is for me a joy because I'm such a Horizon Hobbies fan. I mean, my garage is full, filled with it between their boats, planes, helicopters. It's crazy, you know. So to, to be able to do anything with those guys is a, is a real gem. So I'm excited, even if it's just a quick deal, you know, it'll be fun. Oh, that's cool. I'm excited for you guys. I think that's going to be a good time. You know, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's, uh, I'm not going to stop. You know? Yeah. I gotta, I gotta try and figure out how in the world I'm going to be running. Me and Tyler Zavadel are also talking about, you know, the whole drag thing. We're, I'm, I'm all in on that one too. And running a drag series and a U4 series in 2021 and trying to juggle both and get a little bit of eight scale in all at the same time is, is the goal this year. So, We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Busy boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it's fun, though. You guys are doing what you love and keeping it alive, so that's cool. Yeah, well, you know, and I've said this. It's, I've been doing this since I was eight years old, and I've had it all, done it all in RC, and I'll never stop, dude. It'll Until I have such bad arthritis in my hands that I can't pick up an MIP, that'll be when I stop RC. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, same here. I think you that's know. that's what it's gonna take. You know, I already deal with back pain sitting at the bench. You know, all night long, all day long. You know, and that still doesn't stop me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's you cool. know. Well, that's good. Between that and trying to keep my wife, you know, happy and not, you know, wanting to kill me with all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Know. Uh, uh, everybody needs their their thing, you know, their time to do what they want, and it keeps them sane and stuff. And it's cool that you got somebody that understands all that. Yeah, no, she's she's a soldier, man. I would not be doing as much RC as I do if it wasn't for her. You know, that's cool. So, that's really cool. And that's she awesome. is so much behind the scenes. The last thing she wants to do is go to an RC track. Like, <laughs> nope, never gonna happen. You know, yeah, never gonna happen. But uh, you know, it's uh, I'm very fortunate when it comes to that. Very fortunate. That's cool. Well, what are we looking at for time? I t- I uh, wasn't paying attention. Two well, hours. Hours? Yeah, got, we should probably cut it off here, otherwise I won't be able to upload it to Patreon. Yeah, I've got about Ooh. an hour thirty-five on recording. Yeah. Oh yeah, so we're we're about at our our limit here. Your so. peak. Yeah, otherwise the audio file is too big, and you got to edit it and split it into two parts to get it to fit on Patreon, and it's just a lot of extra work. So. Ah. Well, dude, it was awesome having you on here again. It was, I'm Pleasure, glad dude. things Thanks. are going well, and you guys are keeping the ball rolling that's awesome and thank you thanks again for the opportunity to talk with you guys i oh, appreciate you it. bet man and keep us informed about how all this is doing and stuff because you know i mean with having cars that people can actually just go out and buy to get involved in this you know you got stuff going on post it up on the page and share it with people man hop on the podcast page yep will do i will cool well guys it was a lot of fun thank you again very very much you guys have a great night man you too. Yeah, you too. Take Thank care, you. everybody. All right. Take it easy. Bye-bye.